we continue on in the life of Abraham. And this morning I want to talk about rest after the test. We can rest after the test. And we're in Genesis 22. And we're going to, our text is verses 11 through 19. So I'll ask you in our God's honor if you will stand as I read from the word. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, took the ram, and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together for Beersheba and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can trust you. Father, we get so focused on our own personal struggle and worried about what has happened or worried about where we are or worried about what might happen that sometimes we just forget, Father, that you are with us and that we are blessed. And Father, help us just to trust you because we're kind of prone to not do that and lose our way. And, and Father, it's easy just to pass over that. And As we take some time to look at the rest Abraham received after this test, Father, what a test. But Father, I believe that you brought joy and a time to celebrate after your provision. And Father, may we do the same. As we think about what you've done for us and how you're faithful, may we celebrate and worship you. Guide us in this time that remains that we might remember that we belong to the Lord God through Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. Sometimes it is so easy to get so focused, so into whatever it is that we're facing, that we fail to see God's blessings. And sometimes I think, you know, my advice at times to myself and other people when that happens is, slow down, take a breath. Just take a breath. And then, of course, after you take a breath, God, thank you there was a breath to take. And to just stop. And to realize that, I do not believe for a split second 
that when it came time for Abraham and Isaac to walk down that mountain, that they were thinking, oh, it must be terrible down at the foot of the mountain. And it has been such a terrible, horrible, no good, rotten day. No way, man. After there was God's provision, I believe it was a celebration. They might have been dancing down that mountain because God had provided. And, and it was just such a blessing to be made aware and, and, and oh, such a recognition, such a, a warm time with God as, as, as God had come through and as He had worked. And we too, we just need to look around us and see in the depth of our circumstances God has not abandoned us, that He's there. And we also need to remember, he's funny. He has a sense of humor. And we need to develop a sense of humor. We need to be able to look around. And, and we need to be able to laugh. Because there's a lot of funny stuff out there. And we do some stuff that, why? As a matter of fact, I'll read to you. These are actual rules and regulations released through various cities and towns in the United States. One large city outlawed the reuse of confetti. Really? Another city said all fire hydrants must be checked one hour before a fire. Like you know when the fire is going to happen. When it's going to occur. Really? Another city said it's illegal to carry a concealed weapon more than six feet long. How do you conceal that? You know? A state in uh, the south demands a driver involved in an accident that results in the death of another person must immediately stop and give his name and address to the person struck. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Noise legislation in a, in a village was passed that permits birds to sing for 30 minutes in the day and 15 minutes at night. How do you enforce that? Right? Or here, here's some letters that were written to the welfare department in different places. One lady writes, I cannot get sick pay. I have six children. Can you tell me why? One lady says, I'm glad to report my husband who was reported missing is dead. Huh? I'm upset that you branded my boy illiterate. That's a dirty lie. I was married a week before he was born. Things are so misunderstood. Or what about this one? Mrs. Jones has not had any clothes for a year. She's been visited regularly by the clergy. The point is, we tend to miss what's funny, don't we? Uh, Weather reports are negative. Why can't we say there's a 70% chance of sunshine instead of a 30% chance of rain? What happens? We look around and we miss the blessings that are really around us. All the churches, all of God's people do this wonderful work. And there's a few churches that are having trouble. They're having struggle. They get the headlines. They're what we talk about. Instead of all that God's doing through his people and all the blessings that we have and that we can enjoy. God doesn't call us to look like we were baptized in pickle juice. Have some fun. I love Proverbs 17.22. It says, a cheerful heart is good medicine. But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Man, that is so true. And who wants to look at a bunch of dried up bones? That 
crushed spirit. Man, we, we, need, to, we need to stop and, and just celebrate and consider God's blessings. I, I love it in the message, that paraphrase. Proverbs seventeen twenty two says, A cheerful disposition is good for your health. Gloom and doom make you bone tired. Whew. Just take the energy out. Proverbs fifteen thirteen says, A happy heart makes the face cheerful. Hey, even if you don't have a lot to look at, a smile helps. But heartache crushes the heart. Now, as, as we look at this section of Scripture, you say, Preacher, what in the world does this have to do with this? Think about the circumstances that we talked about last week. God called Abraham to go to the mountain and there to be a sacrifice. And he said, take your son to be sacrificed. And it's interesting in the scriptures, we read that Abraham got up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took off. There's no record of him complaining. There's no record of constant negativity or arguing with God. But he got up early in the morning and he headed off as he settled his donkey. Why? Because he he knew God. Somehow he knew God was going to take care of this impossible situation. Somehow he knew we can trust God. We can have a confidence in him. And so instead of hiding, instead of arguing, he went off with a a sense of anticipation, knowing that God loved him. Knowing that there would be a way that God would come through. I love Proverbs 16, 11 in the Amplified. It says, talking of the Lord, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. Joy. We quote Philippians 4, 4 a lot. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Why can't we rejoice in the Lord always? Because in His presence is the fullness of joy. There is a God that wants to bless us. He wants to move in our lives. He says, at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. That's from the Amplified Version. He will show us the path of life. When we walk with Him in His presence, the result of that is fullness of joy. Not just part-time joy, a fullness of joy. And what awaits us as we enter His presence for all eternity are pleasures evermore. That's the God that we follow. Now, look at this outline. Look at these points. The first one, after passing the test, God becomes more real and intimate than ever before. I think of Stephen. In Acts chapter 7, man, in the face of difficulty and people that didn't want to hear about Jesus, he talked about Jesus and that he came and that he died on a cross and that he was resurrected. And they were so angry at him that they killed him. They stoned him. And as he was dying, just like the Lord, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And it said that there was a guy there that watched it all. Paul. Or at the time Saul that later became Paul. And 
God would get a hold of his heart. He would blind him on the road to Damascus and, and, and change his destination and, and change his purpose and, and change everything about him. And in 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, we read this about Paul. He says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. And he says, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. For all who long for Jesus to return, there awaits this special crown that will be given back to the, the, our master, to the Lord Jesus, I, I believe, at that time that we're in his presence. So there's this, do we want to see him and this longing and this joy and, and, and this hope that comes by wanting to be with Jesus? And it's, it's great. You can read, I love to read biographies of believers, of those that love Jesus. And it's amazing. Uh, it, as I read in there, a sense of humor. Among these people in tragic places. Um, just the other day, I was reading about Amy Carmichael. And they had asked Amy Carmichael, uh, when she had come back from the mission field for a furlough, they said, what is the most important thing about being a missionary? And Amy Carmichael said, you need to be able to do two things. You need to have a good sense of humor, and you need to have a bad sense of smell. As she served the Lord. I mean, real life. None of this, well, I'm a Christian and, and I'm not relatable. No, that's, that's not his heart. God wants to work through all of us. Second, um, when we pass the test, God relieves the pressure as he affirms our faith. Abraham has that blade and he is ready to plunge it into his son. And he's told to stop. Can you imagine the relief? Talk about taking a breath. As he obeyed and found God's blessings. Uh, Turn me to Philippians 4. Paul talks about the importance of that relief that comes when we trust God and when we walk with him. It's beautiful as he talks about the church. Philippians 4 how they ministered to him. Verse 10, he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you, you've been concerned. You've had no opportunity to show it. He stops. He, he takes that breath. He looks around. He sees the blessings. And he says, God's put people into my life that love me, that are, that are concerned to partner with me for the sake of the gospel. And he stops and, and he realizes that and he recognizes that. And then he goes on the next verse. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. In other words, I'm not trying to con you guys out of some money. It's more than this. He says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. It's something that was learned as he walked with God and as he trusted God and as he seen God work through people. It was through that 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 he had developed a confidence. God is going to do something. I can trust him. He says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. 
He says, hey, this is something that's happened over time as I have walked with God. And, and, and what he's trying to say to us is, is he, to affirm our faith and to relieve the pressure as we continue to move forward and as we continue to learn his faithfulness. Isn't it interesting? I've never seen a picture of the Apostle Paul prosperous. Never really hear a sermon about the blessings in Paul's life. That came materially. He said there was a time where there was prosperity. God works in those times when we're up. And he works in those times that we're down. And we need to rejoice when he blesses us. And we need to tell other people. God has met need in my life. He has moved. And I want to tell you about it. I remember a number of years ago. I had old Toyota Tercel, and I was having a problem with the transmission. I took it to a guy to have it fixed. And when it was done, I drove about, I don't know, 15 minutes, and the transmission fell out of it. So I went back to the guy, and I said, man, transmission fell out of it. He said, it's a bad transmission. It's the manufacturer's fault. So we called up the manufacturer. The manufacturer said, it's the installer's fault. So they started fighting back and forth. Well, in the meantime, I don't have a car because the transmission fell out of it. Well, you can imagine I was not a happy preacher. And I complained and I grumbled. And I talked to God about it. God, I need my little car. What am I going to do? I don't have the money to do this. And I just, man, I lost a lot of joy with that transmission. I'll just be honest with you. And the crazy thing about it was we didn't really um, know what we were going to do. And through a twist of events, somebody ended up giving me within $10 what was needed to fix that transmission. And I'm not saying they knew about that. What got me was it was within $10. And I thought, Lord... I have complained how this car is going to work. And out of a way I didn't expect at all, you fixed it. You took care of it. And I was so worried about it. And you were under control all the time. Which brings us to that next one. After the passing test, God supplies additional needs in surprising ways. I did not expect that. You never know how God's going to provide a ram in the thicket. And I bet some of you have some testimonies as well. How in the world, God, am I going to get through this? Uh, Look over there. There's a ram in the thicket. He provides it. And it comes through. I could tell you other stories too. But there again, you tell me stories, I'm sure. Because that's our God. As he moves, as he works. Um, Next, uh, after passing the test, God multiplies his blessings and ratifies his promises i love it in genesis (laughs) he says through you abraham all people will be blessed it's just so beautiful i'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore (laughs) look at the protection he says they'll take possession of the seas of their enemies and through you, all people on earth are going to be blessed. Why? Because you obeyed. 
me. God worked and he proved himself true and dependable. We don't ever regret following and obeying God. A lot of things we regret, but that's not some things we regret. So my encouragement is always follow God. You won't be sorry. All right, three pieces of advice as I uh, wrap this up. Um, first, reflect on the many benefits that have already come your way. Reflect on those benefits that have already come your way. If you want a scripture to start with, let's turn to Psalm 103. How great, just kind of, every once in a while, march through Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Oh, my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What kind of benefits do we have in Jesus? Well, here we go. Who forgives all your sins? Guys, that's a biggie. He forgives all your sins. And heals all your diseases. We, when we find healing, uh, there's medications and there's doctors. But the real source of healing is God. And there's, of course, the temporary healing and the permanent healing. There's the healing that puts us here a few more years. And then there's the healing that sets us into eternity. So that we will be with him forever. <laughs> Who redeems your life from the pit. Man we've all been down in the pit. Because of stupid decisions. And stupid things we've done. But he redeems. He buys us back from the stupid mistakes. And he crowns you with love and compassion. I love the fact that we have a God that says. Man I love you. I want to give you. I want to be compassionate toward you. I don't want to beat you down. <laughs> I want you to know I'm for you. Because of Jesus. That's why I sent him. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Guys, he wants to renew us. Of course, that makes you think of Isaiah 40, 30, and 31, doesn't it? <laughs> that he's going to renew us like the eagle. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. And we can go on. I, I love it. Let me uh, just a few more verses here. I'll jump on it. As far as the east is from the west, so far as they removed our transgressions from us. Isn't that great stuff? As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Man. Does he know we're weak? Oh, yeah. For he knows how we're formed. He remembers we're dust. I had a teacher in seminary who said, How's the children of dust today? We're dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. And his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. Reflect on his benefits. Number two, refuse to allow life's few negatives to eclipse the many positives. Here's some homework. For the week. God blesses us every day. And we a lot of times just don't stop and think about it. I encourage you every day this week. Think about how he's blessing you. And before you fall asleep. Pick three things every day. That you're thankful for. Maybe it was a call from a friend you haven't heard from for a while. Um, maybe it was... Uh, 
a funny experience that brightened your day that you got to laugh over. Man, these things may seem little, but they're blessings from God. They don't have to be what we call huge, changing, but they blessings from God. Take every day, just this week, think of three things, say, thank you, God, for that. And uh, don't, don't hold back the laughter. If it's funny, laugh. I love what uh, comedian Barbara Johnson I heard say. I don't know if it's original with her. But she said, next time you have to laugh, don't suppress that laughter. Because it's got to go somewhere. And it's liable to work its way down and widen your hips. <laughs> don't suppress it. Uh, number three, renew your motivation by decreasing your expectations. What happens? We think, I'm entitled to this. This is mine. God, this is the way this has to work out. Says who? You're not God. I'm not God. I give him my opinion, but many times he says no. I love this piece. It was in Charles Sykes' book, Dumbing Down Our Kids, and he wrote 11 rules. Boy, these are so relevant today, I believe. Rule number one, life's not fair, get used to it. Rule number two, the world won't care about your self-esteem. The world will expect you to accomplish something before you feel good about yourself. Hard stuff. Number three, you'll not make $40,000 a year right out of high school. You won't be a vice president with a car phone until you earn both. Rule number four, if you think your teacher's tough, wait till you get a boss. He doesn't have tenure. Rule number five, flipping hamburgers is not beneath your dignity. Your grandparents had a different word for burger flipping. They called it opportunity. Rule number six, if you mess up, it's not your parents' fault. So don't whine about your mistakes. Learn from them. Rule number seven, before you were born, your parents weren't as boring as they are now. They got that way from paying your bills, cleaning your clothes, listening to you talk about how cool you are. So before you save the rainforest from the parasites of your parents' generation, try cleaning the closet in your own room. Rule number eight, your school may have done away with winners and losers, but life is not. In some schools, they have abolished failing grades, and they'll give you as many times as you want to get the right answer. This doesn't bear the slightest resemblance to anything in real life. Rule number nine, life is not divided into semesters. You don't get summers off, and very few employers are interested in helping you find yourself. Do that on your own time. Rule number 10, television's not real life. In real life, people actually have to leave the coffee shop and go to jobs. Rule number 11, be nice to nerds. Chances are you'll end up working for one. Um, you know, it's interesting as I close this. We look at blessings God provided. I have to admit, I'm guilty of it as well. We look at Abraham. He's this worn out guy. God gives him this child at 100 years of age and must all been downhill after that for Abraham. It's kind of the picture that we easily get. But there's no word of discouragement by Abraham. Grief, yes, because his wife dies and he grieves. But he doesn't talk about being discouraged. Matter of fact, uh, I thought it was interesting here. Turn with me to uh, Genesis chapter 25 as a close. You know, I have this picture. He's the worn out guy. I mean, having a child at 100 years of age. Whew. Look at uh, the first verse of Genesis 25. Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. She bore him Zimran, 
Gokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. What? Now, let's think about this a minute. I uh, read uh, earlier in a chapter that when she died, when uh, Sarah died, she was... Uh, chapter 23, Sarah lived to be 127 years old. Now, Moses was 10 years older, so he was 137. He grieved. He missed his wife. But that rascal decided he's going to get remarried. 137. Lived to be 175. Had six more kids. Six more youngins. Somewhere after 137 years old. I don't think he was as worn out as I've led y'all to believe. I think there were some big blessings ahead. It wasn't over. Sometimes we think, God, I'm so tired. Am I used up? No. God wants to bless you. Even if you feel he's left you behind. Let's pray. Father, as we consider you, oh God, we are grateful that you handpicked us. To hear the message of Jesus and to understand that we need to bow to a Savior and be forgiven. Thank you for that. That You came to me and, and, and I heard and, Father, that I said yes to you. And I know there's a lot of people here that's happened to. And Father, we do tend to nurse and rehearse our struggles. But may we just celebrate that you saved us, God. And maybe there's somebody here and... Oh, how great it would be to celebrate with them to say yes to Jesus and his forgiveness and that new start that comes only through the good news of Jesus Christ. Why not now? Why not today? Why not this morning? Why fight God? Just say, yes, God, I believe in you. I believe that you love me so much that you sent your one and only son to come here and, and to face the ridicule and the suffering and the persecution and to end up on a cross even though he is without sin. And then after being in a grave for three days, is alive and, and ascended to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father and is our hope and our only way to go to heaven. Man, at that moment we believe we too become part of the family of God. And, Lord, I just ask if there's someone here and it's time to make that decision. May this be the day. May this be the moment to say yes. For others, Father, that may need to come to the altar to pray, I understand sometimes the burdens get kind of big and we see the burdens instead of Jesus. Forgive us, Lord. Maybe somebody needs to come to the altar and pray and say, I just want to remember Jesus again. I, I just want to see the blessings again. I, I just want to bow before you, Lord, and just say yes to you, God. Um, we just want to, we want to hear you, Lord. We, we don't want to move on to um, the struggle too quickly that awaits us. We, we want to celebrate you because we know, Lord, that in you is the fullness of joy and at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So, Father, do that work. And you say that when we do that and we see you clearly and love one another because that we have seen you clearly, that other people will know about you. 
that all men will know your disciples, my disciples, by the love you have for each other. Father, just do that work at Kingsway among all of us, Lord, for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.